Looking for work, better pay, better work environment? We can help. Call Kelly Jobs today at 502-425-7131 to speak with a recruiter today. Score a better job with us. Call 502-425-7131 or visit kellyjobs.com. That's kellyjobs.com. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. Now for The Drive with Mark Ennis, presented by Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis. And Biggest Biscuit, also known as Dave Skull. Welcome into The Drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Guinness, Dave Skull, I am in, I feel like I'm living in some sort of alternate universe here. First of all, it's hot, which is amazing. It's it's too hot. I can't believe I didn't wear shorts today. I'm furious at myself. What are you doing? I know, what I know. You, you're also wearing like a kind of shade of Virginia blue. Like No, absolutely. There's no Virginia, what? No, yeah, that's dark is. blue. Dark, dark, dark blue. Is like, this is not dark blue. It's I'm dark a man and I know this is not dark like blue. A, it's like a cloudy, smoky blue. It's not cloudy, dark blue. It, I, if you Don't had a, start this. If you had orange shorts on, I would think you were. I would a never Brown. wear orange shorts I for any shorts. reason that I could think of. But <laughs> Sorry. I sit down at this. I sit down. We're getting ready to go on the air. I look up. The fact that Aaron Rodgers is going to a darkness retreat is like the topic of discussion on a show on ESPN. And then I look down, and Brett Favre's lawyer did an interview with Jason Whitlock, and I'm just like, beam me up. What is happening? How we're not even in the summer yet to where we're having to be, we should be talking about stupid stuff like this and we're not going to. But I just was like, what's happening Can in the we world for like of sports? a minute? <laughs> what is happening? I thought I thought the darkness retreat had already happened and then I realized like a couple days ago that apparently he had not gone into his hole yet. Um we're in the darkness retreat right now. We we've been yeah. in a 3 month darkness retreat uh with <laughs> Louisville basketball. We'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> but it's Obviously, it's it's pivotal for me as a Jets fan, um, which is its own darkness retreat. Which is darkness a come a retreat, a lifelong darkness, <laughs> darkness retreat. It's really like a darkness banishment. I don't even know what's next. It's not really a retreat. It's more of an exile. You know, never to be heard from again in sports fandom. Oh, you like the Jets? Okay. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> that's cool, man. You okay? What do you? Yeah. <laughs> are you okay? Is exactly right. That's exactly. That's exactly the next question. Well, look, we got a lot we're going to get into. It is a Louisville basketball game day against Virginia, perennially one of the best teams in the ACC, and it'll be no different uh, tonight when Louisville takes uh, them on. That means we're going to be out at 5.30 or so to turn you over to network pregame coverage of that. So Now they can take that last half hour out of my cold, dead hands, Mark. Well, take it up with Paul Rogers, who I think 
we all know has old man shanking whip your ass. That's true. Don't you think you, he's like Bob Barker and Happy Gilmore? I do. I do, I do. too. Like, I absolutely do. Like, I, he's been I, doing this too long to take crap from anybody. And he looks pretty compact, like, I, but not weak. Like he looks like he's like if he swung. You know how they say I throw a quarterback has like a compact throwing yeah. motion. You know, like yeah, that's Paul. That's Paul. Like, totally, psh, that's Paul. You better like yeah. you, you better stay out of his his reach because if you get inside like two feet, he's just gonna beat you up. <laughs> Texture says Charlie Murphy retreat. That's very different. <laughs> That's a very different. By the way, just you God, it's fantastic. You remember on Monday we talked about the darkness retreat, uh, and I, I just said like it's the height of narcissism that yes. uh, that Aaron Rodgers is like. I got to make a big decision. I got to go gotta shut all of you out. Yes, I have to make sure that the only voice I can even think of or hear or conceive of is my own. Uh, I also heard, I think Chris Whittingham on Levitard said that apparently with these darkness retreats, like at some point your brain kind of reacts. And it creates kind of a psychedelic experience with when you're totally sensory deprived like that. Especially when you actually take mushrooms. Well, I don't even know if he's going to do that yeah. or not. But he should. I, I couldn't help but think like, this is also peak Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to go get high on my own brain. That's right. <laughs> he's unbelievable, man. He really is something else. Hey, look, you have to have a certain level of of hubris to to do these types of things, and and just like he seems like. He would be a terrible hang, you know. I just I feel like he would not be fun to hang out with. I I just you know what he, he, I've already referenced this skit I think once this week, but the uh, the I think you should leave skit with the kind of the hipster boyfriend yeah. that shows up. That's him in yeah. your friend group. He's yeah. that guy. Uh, so no, look, good luck if he ends up with the Jets. Good luck. Yeah, I I'm just convinced. Like obviously he's the most talented option they have, but there are two reasons why. Before we get into things that matter matter, there's two big reasons why I have reservations about Aaron Rodgers on the Jets. And what the first one is I feel like he is just ripe to check out. You know, like if the Jets go like one and three to start and he's in a locker room with a bunch of young players who he doesn't identify with, who he's 16 years older than, and they start struggling and he starts lashing out or blaming or cocooning up or whatever. He is ripe for that. And two, they would have to cut like a, a half dozen more veterans than they would if they – sign one of the other options so it's one of those things like today I, today is the uh kansas city chiefs super bowl parade is actually happening as we speak is hubris a code for narcissism hubris is uh narcissism is like the next step hubris is doesn't include necessarily infer like total lack of self-awareness narcissism does hubris is the uh it's a um, it's an overestimation of yourself narcissism is a focus only on yourself so it is an it is a uh, mark of old Greek tragedies. Uh, hubris is essentially extreme pride. Yes, and it is usually your downfall. So, there you go. Texture says you're right. Aaron wouldn't be fun. He takes himself too seriously. I hate serious people. I hate overly serious people. Yeah, and like, for he, sure. He would talk like he the person be, who can't relax and the person who can't get serious just as annoying. Just, just. I feel like he would try to talk about big ideas that he has no idea what he's talking about. Like, <laughs> That's right. You know what I mean? Like, and it would just yeah. be the worst. Yes. Somebody who loves I think we to had wait a into... We had a texture weeks ago who texted in and said that hosting Jeopardy went to his head. It's and I think true. That's true. I think yeah. you're right about They're like, that. They're like, people think I'm smart. <laughs> I'm Obviously, I'm smart. It's Ken Jennings and me. What he failed to notice that they also asked Dr. Oz to do it. So it's like, <laughs> it wasn't that exclusive of a club. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's really funny. I didn't know that. All right. Well, look, we got a lot uh, that we are going to get into here today. Louisville and Virginia. We're going to talk with Mike Barber, uh, one of the coolest guys uh, that covers uh, a- another ACC team, covers uh, Virginia and the Virginia schools in the ACC for the Richmond Times Dispatch at 3.30. He's in town for the game. Uh, so we'll talk uh, with him uh, here at 3.30 and just some talk a little bit about this game i don't think it's out of the question that louisville could win but it certainly would be an unbelievable upset if they did uh but virginia has been weird at times and they're going to play small at times and th- i think there's a chance especially if only Hatfield is back even in, in kind of a limited role it could happen i think that in fact that's really how i felt kind of after the miami game is it could happen before miami i would have said no chance it could happen is it likely not a chance but we'll talk about it we will we uh, my, I made my thoughts known on Monday. I think this is a terrible mismatch for a team that I agree isn't particularly well coached. I think it's I think it's an awful matchup for Louisville. So I, I just whether you want to blame the coaching staff or their inability to be coached, they are not well coached. So <laughs> it's it's just a fact. And Virginia is well coached, and they're a, that can be a, a a terrible terrible system to go up against if you're not disciplined. Yeah, there is a sense in which I think that this could be. The worst of all nightmare matchups. Uh, that's uh, my that's my fear. But we'll, we'll, we will see uh, about this, and we'll talk with Mike uh, about it. I we've got to talk a little bit about the schedule, sort of being bounced around uh, with Louisville. You know, we had mentioned it a little bit earlier uh, in the week with the movement of of USF moving these games back, yeah. and now the perhaps the Notre Dame gaming or you know blanket bag reporting it this morning. Notre Dame gaming moved up, so Louisville's going to get back to back Notre Dame games this mm-hmm. year and and next year. We'll talk a little bit about that and what that might mean. Conference realignment, kind of rumors and what's happening uh, with the Pac-12. And I have some predictions on where we might end up watching Pac-12 football uh, in in the future. Uh, and it's, it's not good for the Pac-12. In I space? Can t- I can tell you that. <laughs> well, I can tell you that much uh, here uh, in a little bit. But it, I'd much rather be us than them, although neither of them in great position the ACC in far better position uh, than the Pac-12. It's not going well for them uh, at all. No. Not in the least. I'm I'm curious to see if this leads to anybody else being poached, if there's any interest. You know, if if, if we see that grand gesture from the the Big 12 to kind of take that last, the Southwest, you know, leg of the the Pac-12 and just just end it, Uh, we'll see. You know, I – Unfortunately, that's not really relevant to us because I don't see the ACC going by coastal or anything like that. But it's interesting. It's interesting. People are out. Like I have to tell you, you know, we do this uh, show here in the ESPN Louisville studios yeah. here, right on Cardinal Boulevard on campus. And when the sun is out and it is warm, it is a different view. Like you get a different experience of people outside than you typically do. People are in a freaking good mood they're in a today. great mood today we've had multiple we've had, people interact with the us first couple nine minutes. minutes of the show we've been waved at multiple times usually it's some sort of trudgery as they sort of just go by and they're like please let this walk be over with soon through the winter <laughs> right. right and like now we're getting waved at by everybody and you it's know a great what everybody day. has in their hand ice cream oh well yeah yeah it's a comfy cow posting up next to the comfy cow is a pretty good idea on our it's part it's not bad it's not bad it gives us uh, some waves last night i watched for some reason it's um, always a great way to start a I sentence. Know. I watched Pitt <laughs> and Boston College. Bless you. Uh, because, the, well, Boston College and Pitt obviously beat the doors off Louisville uh, this year. And I was interested in seeing, like, is Boston College, at, I think they're like 12 and 14. 
but they look better than they did a year ago. They're just they're not there. They're what we would hope Louisville would kind of look like, where it was they're spirited. You know, you've got a coach who's sort of pouring himself out to it, and I wanted to see if they could sort of keep it up even as the year isn't going a whole lot better than maybe they had hoped for. And I kind of want to see if Pitts really got enough juice to sort of keep this up because right now they're kind of right, they're excellent. Like Pitt is really, really good. Not even ranked in the top 25, but they're on top of the ACC, and they made 100 million threes uh, against Louisville. Had, they have some really great wins this year. Well, so I watched them against Boston College, and early on, I was first of all, I was kind of heartened by the scene, you know, in that arena. It's a place that has typically, prior to Kevin Stallings, uh, been a lively, uh, homey kind of play, like you know, a unique. To them, you know, and it was an imposing place. Exactly, yeah, it was, it's, and it was imposing. Like back in like 2008, like Jamie Dixon used to years. dread going up there. Yeah, and, and, and it and, wasn't just because the players look like the monsters, but they did. Yeah, you know, it's it's been like that. And the I, Aaron and, Gray, Dewan, yes, Blair. exactly, yeah. just a defensive line everywhere, everywhere. Yeah, it's wild. It was but, always so satisfying to beat them when they had those teams. Well, sure, because, I mean, you'd be sore afterwards, Fox but you Fields, won. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I'm watching the game, and it was like back and forth. You just keep going. It's the fine. Most, the most ironic name of all time, Sam. Oh, yeah, exactly. Dude, dude had exactly LeBron James right. mode, Greg Oden mode. He looked 48 when he was 22. Sorry, please. Go no, ahead. it's fine. He looked he had a, like he had a job. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, he had yeah. two mortgages. Yes, yeah, four exactly. Kids. He's seen some things. So I'm Danny Glover, night, man. They're pouring it on Boston College in yeah. the second half, having fun. Boston College looks completely shook. That place was alive, and I was like, good for them. No one would have believed you a year ago that they would look like that. And of course, the Pete Rockin. There's obviously a, a local a sort of tie in here. I was thinking to myself, like, it does not matter if you are like some of our callers and listeners who I think downright hate Kenny and, and want him fired yesterday. Or at the very least, are out completely. They don't uh, and one, hate one him, and gone. I'm talking about like yeah. the strongest vitriol for him you can think of. Yeah. You know, they, those folks, or if you are. The strongest supporter you can imagine, and somehow poor Jerry Eves has become like the the code word for anyone who loves Kenny and hates reality. But that's that's where we are. It, no matter where you are, it kind of occurred to me in watching it last night. Pitt's the best thing that could have happened. Pitt is wonderful for us because they they are. No matter how you feel about him, they are the standard you can hold up now. So if you love Kenny, you pick, you, you're like, that's what they're going to do. It can be done. You don't have to flush. You don't have to just completely start this thing over. You don't have to blow it up. Look what they did. He was unpopular. You're like, how is he even going to get players? He got players, got some transfers. People thought that they basically kept his job last year, Jeff Capel, because the athletic department just kind of like didn't have the – weren't in the mood to make a coaching it was search as much as anything yeah, yeah i mean it was it was one of the more tepid kind of statements of of returning it wasn't even like of a support it was just basically like we're not firing yeah. him <sighs> so he comes back and they're excellent and it's there really is a year that is utterly unforeseeable from the results up to that point now i know he's more experience. I know he's further into it's it but his fifth year there there's too, no, yeah. but that's even more reason to sure. not think this was going to happen right right but also if you are one of those who was like, get him the hell out of here today, Kenny Payne, like, this is crap, this is a failed mistake, just get it over with, you get to hold pit against him next year. And I'm, 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 I'm almost positive he'll be back, 
unless he like decks somebody on the sideline or something, you know, does something like that. What an absolute break! Like, like I'm just saying, like, you know what I mean? Complete break from the norm. That would right. be. But the fact that this has been done now, I don't think it's crazy to say. Well, then you better do it too. It's, okay. So Pitt is wonderful. Like Pitt should be our favorite team because we're gonna get clarity and we're gonna have a. It's not going to be hypothetical. It's no that you have to do that. This is a better place than Pitt. Do it better. But it can be done. So this is another example and a different example where, you know, we have kind of a variety. Every single one is a little bit different. Um, the different, uh, you know, dumpster fires that were taken over and flipped immediately in one year. This is flipped in the fifth year. But either way, last year's team and this year's team look completely different from each other. It's another example of being able to flip a roster, turn a team that was not competent and one of the laughing stocks of the league and turn it into a competitor in the next year. And this is a coach that did it with the same coaching staff, you know, and, and was able to do that. And I feel like Kenny Payne needs to – I think we all know that regardless of how you feel about it, I think that two things – I think it's likely he's back and there are certain standards that are – pretty set in stone for next year like i don't know if there's there's not really numbers of wins but i don't think he can you can't use this year and how bad it was this year as an excuse for not being good next year i'll put it that way there's just way too many data points out there and way too many people that are looking at this saying you didn't improve anybody you actually made like a lot of the guys from the last roster worse and 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 they don't look as good and we don't have any evidence that you really know what you're doing and and you have basically carte blanche this this offseason to flip this entire roster this is another um example of somebody who did that like i just there because everything you just said is what people said about jeff capel right i thought you'd recruit well you were on the bench with a super successful coach at a blue blood you've seen how it's done he had the reputation as being sort of the ace recruiter on that staff all that stuff it had not played out for longer but it had not played out anywhere close to that a lot of people were done with him there was sort of a lot of shoulder shrugging going into this year they kind of like let's just get through this one and then we can move on which is how i think a lot of people will feel going into next year Uh, but it has gone well and so if you are one of these who's just not a believer, which, again, is fine. I understand. That's, I'm well, not, there's plenty of reasons not to be. I understand it's, it's, it's that. Totally logical. But if you are, you have every reason in the world to be like, well, then you suck because Jeff Cable did it. Yeah. At, at a place that where it should be harder to do it than here. Yeah. And so like, I, I can't believe it was sort of hitting me that way, but I'm watching Pitt Boston College. It's like, this is a good thing. This is a this is a good thing, not me smacking the microphone. It gives That's you more clarity. Thing. Like honestly, yes. it gives you it gives you another another brick in the wall and another data point where you just look at it and go, look, there is the excuses are gone for next season. Like we've 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 written this one off. I think Kenny's written this one off. I talked about that last week. I think his language has changed. Yeah, and he's he's started talking about the type of kid he wants to recruit for next year and has been frankly uh, has not been shy about saying things that. It doesn't take a lot to, to to read into them as insults for the kids that are on the roster now or not very shining. Um, yeah, almost you know. like he said it too soon. Right. It's like, got to wait on that one. Like you, These kids are still playing for you at the end of the <laughs> you year. you still got seven or eight more games, And man. those parents probably still have your email and your phone number You know that you are casting aspersions on. If, 
I wasn't wonder, a great move, like, in my you, opinion. But. Eh, I understand. But, yeah. like, if you are him, like, if a parent of a kid that maybe you're sort of have washed your hands of already calls, you even answer that call? I don't know. I'd be tempted not to, don't you? Right, like? right, at this point in the season. But it's, like, he's moved on. We've all kind of moved on because that's what we have to do. Like, if the coaching staff is signaling to me that they're done with this team, then I, it's fine, you know. But it's not going to change the standards for next year. It is not a five-year process. It's not even a three-year process anymore in college basketball. You have no cloud. You get in that portal. You get what you need to get, and you put up a result next year. Period. And we'll get behind you. But as of right now, I'm. it's documented. I'm in the group that I was rooting for Kenny, man, but I just don't have any evidence that he's the coach that we need. But you know what? I am open to him changing my mind as soon as possible. And it starts in the spring. No, it starts tonight. It God. starts tonight, Dave. I'm just I can't get down. I can't go down that road with you, Mark. I just can't. I'm trying. I can't. I'm trying. I know you are. Just too many too many graphs. Too many too many visual displays of, of Virginia at the top right of the efficiency in Louisville, like off the graph down to the left. <laughs> I just I've had too many of those while I've been looking at our schedule and dreading the Virginia too. Well, uh, one two that's I, coming. That is true. I think of all the games and all the matchups on the schedule on a schedule full of games that have not gone well for Louisville. This is the nightmare. Yeah, it, you know the especial the one here because here's the thing: the, this team so far, and this is on Kenny. He is the head coach here. The number one like overarching problem is is I think sort of the mental side, the psychological side. The focus, the intensity, the belief, you know, the the learning, all of that, the togetherness and communication, all that stuff that's really just not straight athleticism or straight roster ability yeah. has been subpar and hasn't improved a great deal over the year, if at all. Uh, and that is the very thing that Virginia demands of you more than any other opponent you play because you've got to stay focused a whole lengthy obnoxious possession where in which you are screened to death by tight ends who are masquerading as basketball players uh you, all of that sort of, they're going to shove and push and elbow uh, and and roll the ball and hold it out of bounds and make you wait longer and have a 55 second possession and get an offensive rebound and do it again it's it is on paper a nightmare yes that's that's been my biggest issue here is that we, uh, I say we, uh, Louisville basketball has had real issues with rotations and staying engaged in defensive possessions already this season. That's been its number one problem from day one, that and turnovers. And I can just imagine this, this team getting lulled to sleep pretty quickly on the offensive end. And they're a little less deliberate. The pacing is a little different than in the past, but it's still the same concept, still the same principles. And I just... You know, thinking about one big screen from whoever the stand-in for Jack Salt is now for Virginia. For Virginia. What a name. It really just is. It sounds name. like a movie bad guy. It does. And he, like, whoever's setting picks, just nobody nobody rotating properly or switching properly on that, you know, and, and just getting burned by Kehi Clark and the getting in the paint and either – Finishing or kicking it out for a three-pointer. I just – the whole game is played out in my head already, and I'm terrified of it. 
But I also don't know if they can cover that spread. <laughs> is it still 20 and a half? Because that's a lot for Virginia. I think it's 16 and a half. Is it down to 16 and a half? Yeah. I think the, the or scary, 20 and a half was Miami. The scary part, I think, would be that the 20 and a half or, or whatever, or 16 and a half or whatever, it, it would it's far more likely to come because Louisville scores like 29 tonight, you know, than, than Virginia has exactly. some sort of massive shooting yeah. night. You know what I mean? Like that's, I think that's kind of the scary part uh, for Louisville is Virginia is just built to be a misery for this specific team. But that's, that is on, yeah. on the off chance that you get something closer to the Miami effort where shots are just falling which has happened more than once this year. It hasn't yeah. been enough to win in, in every game. But the Miami game was that. The first Syracuse game was that. Obviously, the three wins were that. Uh, but even if that happens, it could happen. It could happen. If Louisville has some, but it'll it'll be way out of the ordinary, and it'll be completely out of character. So I'm not pretending that it wouldn't be. Look, Jalen's become one of the best three point shooters in the. I mean, we had Caroline on yesterday, and we'll talk with Mike Barber about it huh. today. She mentioned him like that. His performance against Miami made an impression on Virginia people. Yeah, like he's going to start being more of a focus of game plans. Yeah, I mean when you and got a, a, a guy who's six eight and he's shooting forty six percent from the three point line, he's editing out the nonsense a little bit on the offensive end and leaning into what he's good at. Uh, that's a positive. Um, but yeah, like at the end of the day, it's it's not me being overly negative. I just. This Virginia team, I think, is just a really terrible matchup for Louisville. I think they're they, a terrible matchup for everybody. Is, they are. Yeah, they are, and they've they, we've never been good with it. I just think that for a team that that clearly, for whatever reason, either isn't well coached or isn't receiving coaching well, it's a tough task. It's a tough ask to to prepare for a team like this. And I think it's going to take for this to this game to be competitive. It's going to take an extraordinary shooting night. Because you can shoot over. That's how you have to beat Virginia. Virginia's usually. welcome to help us, by the way. Yeah, yeah, they are. Sure. <laughs> if they want to contribute to this with some uh, uncharacteristic turnovers or whatever, yeah, I'm here for wanna, that. Just want to check okay. out completely. It's fine. Yeah. We're not worth your time. Overlook Louisville. It's fine. We're not worth your time or your effort. I agree. <laughs> that would be... Again, if they want to help, that's entirely fine, too. It's, but Don't even worry about us. We're, we're, we're naval lent. Naval Lint. My goodness. It's a line from True Lies. That's very funny. No, it's, I recognize it. It's just very funny. I have to think about it that way. So, look, they've got their hands full. But I did, again, I just, I thought Jeff Cable gives you, I think, if you, we're going to know, like, definitively next year. And, I, like, there will be no debate. If it's not that kind of better right away, uh, We'll we'll have all the information we need, you know, and I that that's it, you know. So I think sometimes you hear people like it's going to take three years or four years, but nope, 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 absolutely not. If a place with wor- uh, less to work with and less reason to be optimistic about the, the the portal and that sort of thing, with a coach who's had more under his belt has been worse. Uh, I mean, Pitt hasn't been good at all uh, during that time uh, up until right now. If you can't turn it around, something very very close and similar to that, I think we'll have all the information that we need. So I'm glad that it's happening because it will give us that stark sort of contrast, that thing to sort of hold it up against. Because we know it can be done. Now you need to do it. Yeah. You know, because we're not you're not going to be able to sort of rally and say, like, well, how I mean, how much better did you think they were going to be? Well, pick good. 
That's how I want you to be. Do that. Problem is, like, people wanted them to be pit good. Or not, I'm sorry. They wanted to be BC good this year, leading into pit good next year. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's but you tough. Can go, but I'm, but, but you can. Like, you was, can go from pit last year to pit this year. It was almost as bad last year. They were rough. They were pretty good. Six wins. I mean, it was, it was a bad year. Um, the turnaround from any level is possible. That's just, that's, I think, the biggest message and the biggest takeaway from the last two off seasons with college basketball in the, wait for it, the new normal, the new reality, is that there just, there isn't any depth that you can't turn around from in one year. There just isn't. So everybody who has this antiquated mentality about how rebuilds work, they don't work that way anymore. It's just nonsense. That's right. To even say three years before you yeah, can expect and, and, anything. That's, that's just not, it doesn't work, especially for a program like Louisville. Yeah, and, and to the extent that I'm ever accused of sort of like being in the tank for Kenny or what have you. Uh, All the I, way in the tank. You're literally in a tank. Right in now. a tank yeah. with Kenny. Right. But I will have no patience for this like multiple year thing. No. Abs- no, next year's got to be f- so immediately and demonstrably better. So much different. And Pitt has done us all a favor by making that yeah. a reasonable standard. And I do think that they're going to get some transfers. I, I, I have a good feeling about the level of I think they're gonna, athlete they're going to get. Sorry. Um, I know they're working with a decent amount of NIL money, and I think that they can make things happen. Uh, and there will be no excuses next year. I think they will, too. Yeah. I, I think that the – there isn't enough to work with will not be a talking point when they start next season. No, it better not be. It will it will just be about how they're deployed. And if it is, then something has gone terribly wrong. And there's been a failure in the you know what I mean? Like it's just I expect them to get the pieces in the portal. I expect them to be in a position talent wise next year that there are no excuses. And then we can evaluate. Because this year is a wash. All right. Like I've already done evaluations, but I'm saying like he's gonna get a second year. And there will be no excuses. Let's take a break here. And when we come back, we'll get uh, a little bit more uh, in-depth in the weeds about this Virginia matchup tonight with Mike Barber from the Roanoke Times Dispatch. On the other side here, on the drive on a ton of Bear back. Looking for work, better pay, better work environment? We can help. Call Kelly Jobs today at 502-425-7131 to speak with a recruiter today. Score a better job with us. Call 502-425-7131 or visit kellyjobs.com. That's kellyjobs.com. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. Listening to the drive presented by Fitness Market right here on 93.9 The Ville. Now here's Mark Ennis and Biggest Biscuit, also known as Dave Skull. 
Welcome back into the drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Whether we like it or not, Louisville going to take on Virginia tonight. Mike Barber covers the Virginias and the ACC for the Richmond Times-Dispatch, and he joins us here. Mike, welcome to town. It's unseasonably warm just for you, just so you feel welcome, everybody. How you doing? Pack appropriately. I, uh, I packed for colder weather, so uh, I've been sweating a little as I walk around town. Well, that's us. Uh, that is here. Uh, as well, we are enjoying it though. I overdress for work uh, as well here. Uh, give us a, sort of a, a sense of maybe where this uh, Virginia team is relative to the expectations, maybe coming into the year. Is this uh, about where people thought they would be, and sort of have they turned out to be the kind of team people thought Virginia would be coming into the year? Yeah, Mark, I think they're closer to being the team that they hope to be uh, than being a disappointment. Right? They're not all the way there. Um, but they've played some stretches where they've looked like an elite basketball team, certainly out in Las Vegas with two wins there. And, and just recently here, uh, during the Duke win, there were some stretches there where you know they looked like a Final Four kind of team. Now, there have also been days where they look like a out-in-the-first-weekend kind of team, and they, they've got to find something probably in between <laughs> to settle on. Certainly the fans would prefer closer to that high ceiling. But you know they're great defensively. They have some good pieces at different levels offensively they're very efficient they're a veteran team they don't panic they don't make a lot of mistakes they lead the acc in assist to turnover ratio so i think we're getting exactly the kind of basketball virginia fans at least we're hoping to get uh my how is this team maybe different than some of the virginia teams of the past i always think of them i mean they've been very good but they've been uh kind of ruthlessly physical but they've been sort of built patiently over time. And, and, and as we all know, everything has really changed uh, in the world of college basketball, and there's just not nearly as much sort of tolerance or, or patience for that sort of thing. So maybe how do you think this team is different than some of these Virginia teams that have obviously been very good over the last couple of years? Yeah, I, I think they're still doing a lot of the trademark, hallmark kind of things, but they have a little more athleticism. I mean, Reese Beekman is a guy who can get to the rim and finish uh, Armand Franklin is the same kind of guy. Jaden Gardner brings that really interesting mid-range game. We saw him show it off last year. but uh, And that's what I mean about being able to score at different levels. You know, they don't really have a true throw-it-to-the-low-block guy, but they can score in the paint, uh, you know, either off the dribble drive or by getting the ball to Gardner, who, who can pull up and, and play some with his back to, to the back of the basket, although he certainly prefers to face up. Ben Vanderplas has been an interesting addition He's a big guy who can play outside. So I think there's a little more versatility. And, Mark, you know, an interesting thing, this is the first time since I've been covering Virginia basketball that they really haven't relied on a true rim protector guy at the back of the pack. Um, Caden Shedrick can do that, but they've also sat him down and benched him for games at a time. So a little bit more versatile, and maybe they look a little different night to night. Yeah, so kind of along the same lines, you know, we had Caroline uh, Darnie on yesterday kind of mentioned the fact that they, they've had stretches this year or stretches within games Virginia has where they go uh, small ball, which is you know, so unlike, you know, Virginia, but going with a guy that's six 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 seven at the five spot uh, for at least in stretches. Wh- where did that sort of come from? Why do you think they do that? Is it matchup driven? Is it just sort of this is the best roster at times? What, what That seems new to me. Am I Am I crazy about that? And maybe how'd that come about? I wouldn't say you're crazy. They've definitely gone to that lineup really for the better part of the last two months. And the reason was what they found was they had a lot of good different defensive pairings, 
they didn't have a ton of great offensive pairings. And going small has really jump-started their offense. They're able to space the floor better, spread it out, uh, get open shots, get room for Gardner to get that mid-range jumper, get room for Kihei Clark or Reese Speakman to drive to the rim. So I think that was an offense-driven decision based on the fact that they didn't love what they were getting from their five men, Caden Shedrick and Francisco Caffaro. So if you're not going to get much defensively or offensively from your five man, then it becomes about putting your five best players on the floor. And, and what Virginia has done for the last two months really has gone to a smaller lineup. Uh, they still post trap. They still look on film the way you'd expect Virginia look. It's just a little different personnel wise. Yeah, that's one of the signature things I almost always look for, and I felt like it was a little bit of an indictment of Louisville under Chris Mack at times that they didn't post-trap and (laughs) post-double because there was nothing to post-trap or post-double. It's kind of towards the end there. Uh, So that'll be interesting. What are you hearing on the Virginia side there from coaches, players, you know, this week? I would imagine, oddly enough, that you know, it's sort of maybe difficult to get the team up for this game or get them to focus for this game, which is sort of new, unfortunately, for this game. But just sort of the message that you're hearing about taking this game seriously with Louisville having kind of a historically bad year. Yeah, and it's not just Louisville because they've got Notre Dame, they've got Boston College, then they've got Louisville again. So the message has been be businesslike. Uh, if everybody thinks you're so good and you're going to win these games, well, you better damn well go out and do it, right? Go out and play good basketball and win. So the message from the coaching staff has been be businesslike, be professional, go out and play great basketball. And if it turns out that these opponents aren't very good, good, then go win by 20. And if it turns out they are good, then grind and scrap and and win by a point or win win in overtime, whatever it takes. Uh, The message basically has been about getting the job done and not worrying about what other people think of these opponents. Now, specifically Louisville, if you watch this team, and I know you guys do, but I went back and kind of watched the last four games, and they seem to be playing better basketball. Now, there have been some weaker opponents, certainly in that stretch, and and getting a win is huge, and I understand it's Georgia Tech, but it's it's still a win. Uh, It seems like Louisville is starting to put some things together. Tony Bennett mentioned that he's been seeing that for about a month. He said he saw them on some crossover video, I I think when uh, Virginia was preparing for Boston College, and he said, hey, Louisville's improving so i think that the sense is hey louisville's getting better uh they are dangerous and from the virginia point of view do your job take care of business we're talking with mike barbary covers uh, acc for uh the roanoke times dispatch and he is a longtime observer of uh, acc basketball good and bad uh here uh, this year not a lot of losses uh, for virginia this year certainly recently there haven't been very many at all for in those instances where someone's gotten the better of Virginia this year, like what has been maybe like the common theme? Because I understand that Louisville's close to as much of an underdog as UMBC was, uh, but where's where is the common thread in those upsets of Virginia this year? The teams that have beaten Virginia, how have they done it? Well, I mean, you start with Houston; they did it by being really, really good. So I, I think Louisville can can cross that one off. I don't think Louisville's Houston. <laughs> I, I think that one's off the chart, but. You look at some of these other games where even if Virginia didn't lose, like what made it close, what made it tight, and a lot of it had to do with Virginia just not being able to knock down its shots. And I feel like you and I have talked about this before, but, you know, Virginia, because of the way they play the pack line defense, if they're hitting their shots, then they get back down the floor and they get set, and it's really hard to score against them. Now, if they're missing their shots, and you can grab the ball off the rim, push it up the floor, and all of a sudden you're playing against three or four defenders, and it's more of a scramble drill, 
you have a good shot. So for me, for Virginia, it's can you knock down your shots? And if you're Louisville, can you get up the floor and maybe score some in transition? Uh, let me ask you, uh, Mike, about uh, the the all of the uh, sort of the controversy and whatever about the the end of the Duke game. Uh, so, what Virginia has maybe had to say? Uh, the Duke side has obviously been very out there about what they think about that. But I'm kind of curious how they have maybe handled that. And if am I crazy for looking at this and saying that maybe like it felt a little like Tony Bennett kind of got the Coach K call there. No, I don't think so, because I think when you look at it, I think from the Virginia point of view, it was such a soft foul in a game where fouls like that weren't called. Um, So it felt more like, hey, they were trying to bail out Duke and then went back to the monitor and said, God, that was a bad call. There's no way we should have called a foul here. Then their excuse for getting rid of the foul was wrong, right? The, The way they took the foul off the board uh, is not within the rules, and that's where Duke kind of felt like they got hosed, and, and rightfully so. Uh, I think the Virginia perspective was, hey, that call didn't end the game, right? Both teams went out and played overtime, and Virginia dominated the overtime. There's maybe a little sense of Virginia feeling like they're not getting the credit they deserve for how well they played, and especially in that overtime, um, because of all the talk about the, the refs blowing that call when they reversed the foul. But uh, overall, I mean, if you watch that game, that play happened probably 20 times, and that would have been the first time all night that anybody was called for a foul after the attempt kind of coming down, follow through. Uh, it, it just felt it felt like they were trying to give them the standard Coach K Duke call, and, and then when they looked at the monitor, they said, geez, we really shouldn't have whistled that. If I end up getting to do one of these miraculous shows tomorrow where Louisville somehow sort of pulled this off, specific to this matchup here, you know, I thought, like, for instance, Louisville played pretty well against Miami on the offensive. And they played really well yeah. against Miami on the offensive end and just didn't defend with a lick. Uh, but Miami is an extremely good offensive team uh, at the same time, uh, too. How, what seems at least like the most conceivable of all the, uh, the least conceivable options here for Louisville winning this game? How do you think that sort of thing would play out? Yeah, it starts with Virginia missing shots, uh, missing its three-point shots, missing its two-point shots, missing its free throws as it did against Duke. Uh, it continues with Louisville getting some opportunities in transition and Louisville getting some second-chance points. Uh, if you can crash the offensive glass, hey, this is a really good defensive Virginia team. They're going to make you take tough shots, shots late in the shot clock. They're going to make you take shots that you don't really want to take, that you don't really want to settle for. If you can take those shots, miss them, sure, okay, I get it, but then get some second-chance opportunities, you kind of negate all of that great defense. So. To me, it's can Louisville score second-chance points and score in transition, and can Virginia have an off-shooting night? You put all that together, and, and that's the formula for an upset, I think, in this one. What's your, what's your kind of read on ACC basketball kind of overall? This is consecutive years, and then we'll let you get out of here uh, after this. This is consecutive years where there's, there's a national perception the ACC is not that good at all, and they had a great tournament, and then we're doing it again uh, this year. I remember having Wes Durham on the show during football season two years ago, and he said he was far more worried about the future of basketball than football for the ACC with coaches uh, changing on the horizon and, and that sort of thing. Uh, and and the, AC, the SEC taking basketball super seriously now, and obviously they're a lot better than they used to be, but what's your, your sort of your general sense of, of sort of the future of ACC basketball with, with a couple of kind of lean years here back-to-back now? Yeah, I think the future is fine, right? It's, it's the present I'm worried about. I'm looking at a bunch of good teams and maybe no great team. 
and that leads to that perception. And then if that's the perception, fewer teams make the NCAA tournament. And then if fewer teams make the NCAA tournament, how does that impact recruiting? When you can't go into, into a living room and say, hey, we've been in the NCAA tournament this many times in a row and those kind of things. Um, so it's one of those things where it can kind of spiral away from you a little bit and you don't want to let that happen. But I think overall, you know, the, the ACC is in good shape. I think that North Carolina showed it survived a coaching change. Duke, they might not be world beaters this year, but it's not like they fell off the map uh, after Coach K retired. So I, I think you're seeing some programs withstand coaching changes. I think you're seeing some programs like Virginia certainly uh, maintain a, a level of excellence. And then I think you're seeing what you always need in, in the ACC, which is some people to, to be, you know, rise from the ashes, so to speak. And, and I'm thinking about Pittsburgh, and I'm thinking about Wake Forest, and I'm thinking about NC State. Um, Right, I mean, two of those, Kevin Keats and, and Jeff Capel, didn't get much hotter hot seats coming into the year, and now those guys are, are on the short list uh, for ACC Coach of the Year. So I think overall the league's fine, but I think there is a sense that they really need to establish one or two great teams because nobody's blown away anymore by having seven or eight good teams. Mike Barber, we appreciate you uh, making the time for us. As always, buddy, look forward to talking to you again down the road here, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me. All right, Mike Barber, good stuff uh, from – him i've got to get used to picking up and hanging up the phone myself i, I saw you i saw you kind of i asked him the first question yeah. i was like well he ain't saying nothing yet because i hadn't put him on the phone yet process used to scream at me when the espn studios when i would fill in in the morning show what and like i would forget to me sometimes i would i would do it on purpose just to watch the process like <laughs> flail around. are you like, saying oh. the process would get uh elevated about something perhaps overreact to something that, that's surprising i only had a few interactions with him that's surprising dave I can't tell if you're being serious. No, I'm, I'm He's definitely, definitely not being serious. Yeah. <laughs> can't tell if serious. Like, I would not want to be around him when that uh, the holding call happened in the Super Bowl from our man process. I'm surprised we didn't have to go bail him out of some jail fan. somewhere. Yeah. Maybe his girlfriend did. Maybe Scott Satterfield did. <laughs> he was out enjoying the nightlife. He Scott Satterfield's never been to a jail. Come on. No, never. I thought that was... Uh, some interesting stuff. I mean, I've gotten to watch UV a couple times this year, and their lack of size relative to past is years, new. it's striking, really. Yeah. It is, because we've, we're used to a Jack Salt. You know, we're used to who else? I'm, I'm missing. Who was right before Jack Salt? Huff. Thank you. Jay Huff. I've, I've taken Jay Huff. And Jay I've Huff, ta- who had a personal dunk contest a couple of years ago I, at I've, the Yum Center. I've taken the entire Jay Huff era, and I've put it in a box, and I've put it somewhere like it's one of those repressed like, memories oh yeah no it's <laughs> it's gonna come does out this therapy bring you one joy day. absolutely not so i've taken it out of my life i've marie condoed <laughs> the entire jay huff era and i've put By it the way <laughs> did you see that story which one the marie condo story the one that where she okay, so my ex-wife and i went through this where she went on this kick of like yeah now i don't know how to fold the clothes yeah because Marie Kondo does it all this funky way where you can see them all uh, and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. And it became like this huge bone of contention. Everything did. But it, like that did. And now Marie Kondo did this interview where she's basically like, I've, I yeah. got three kids. Yeah, I've kind of given up. Yeah. yeah, I've kind of given up on being meticulous about the house. I'm like, what the hell? It's, like, it's Mike Tyson. It's everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the re- face. Every every single person that's had three kids and, had to, and had to like try to do the Marie, the Marie Kondo thing. We're it's all easy just to keep like, a house clean when you got no kids. Maybe it is. Okay. <laughs> Mark, but I don't make it. It's easy. relatively easy. It's I relatively promise you. easy. Yeah, no, but that's it. It was really funny watching all the parents across America going, "Yeah, Marie, where is your system now?" <laughs> but yeah, it's been interesting. Like, 
like you said, they've been playing like uh, Jaden Gardner's six six. You know, Vanderplas is what six eight. You know, so like they're not they're not big. They don't play their centers anymore. Uh, like Mike said, they don't play them extended minutes because they haven't been liking the production they've gotten out of them. So they're big bodies, the guys you would expect to play, the seven one, six eleven guys that are two hundred sixty pounds, the normal you know pick setters and finishers underneath. They don't have those on this team, but they're still finding a way to to be dynamic on the offensive end, at least dynamic enough. And names that we know, obviously, Kai Clark, who yeah. will not graduate Go on already. Like, please get out of college. I cannot stand it. Uh, and then Armand Franklin, who we all know started at IU, but he was with Virginia last year. He's a two-year transfer. Um, same with Jaden Gardner. He's been on the team for the last two seasons. They really only have – Vanderplas is really the only like one-year transfer, first-year guy from another program that gets big minutes. But we know the other names. Like I said, Clark, Reese, Reese Beekman, guys that we're, we're familiar with. But they're just – they're just so good at, at – what they do, even though they're a little bit different looking than they they've been in the past, they've found a way to make that offensive work in this that that defensive system. They're well coached, and I, I just I'm not really looking forward to how this is going to look tonight. But hopefully, they miss shots, they help us out a little bit, and we make shots, and that's going to be the whole game. I mean, I I think if they play now, it'll look different. It'll have to look different. Just because the styles are so different, Miami yeah. is very free flowing uh, on both ends of the floor. Virginia's going—it's trench warfare, and that's that's why I have a hard time with translating like lifting that translating yeah. the Saturday's yeah. performance to this game. And and I I was reticent to do that on Monday too, where it's just it's such a different challenge that I don't know how much I can translate. I just don't know, and we'll, we'll see how this team reacts to Virginia. I mean, a lot of these players have seen them before. You know, that doesn't. I don't know if that's going to help them, right? <laughs> but, but some of them are familiar with the system. Some of them aren't. It's just I, I, I'm worried about what this might look like because this this has been the matchup I've had circled like just dreading all season. If they shoot as well as they shot in the way it will go in a Virginia <laughs> game, you know, there'll be obviously there'll be way fewer possessions. Uh, that sort of, uh, that sort of thing. It's going to look different. Uh, but if they shoot in the Close to fifty percent, like they did in the Miami game, over fifty yeah. percent. Like it'll, it'll be a competitive game. Uh, there haven't been very many teams who've been able to get Virginia to have to go basket for basket with them, though. That's the thing. Uh, and we'll play this clip for you on the other side here. It's the sort of thing I just can't bear to ever hear again. So we'll play it for you on the other side. But I just don't. Want, we have a texture just texted this in. I need us to be good again, like next year. We can't do this another year. This is March Madness weather, and I'm planning vacations. Yeah. Yes, I agree. I don't want to have Mike Barber on and be like, make up a story where Louisville wins. Like, I don't right. want to do that. Yeah, like when he said, none of us want to do how, this. How did the other teams beat you? How, what does it look like? And he's like, well, Houston was really good, and we don't have to worry about that. And I laughed, but really, I laughed. I need that to not be funny. It gets I, coping right now. It is. It's very much coping. Yeah. But it's sad that that's the truth. He's like, well, they were really good, and I don't think we have to worry about that with Louisville. It's like. Ouch, Mike. <laughs> like, ouch, buddy. Houston is really good, by the way. They are very good. We talked about that last week. I'm very impressed with Houston. Extremely impressed. And they've been good for several years in a row now. Several. 
I mean, Kelvin Sampson is, a, is an elite coach. coach. Absolutely. Excellent coach. He's one of those guys with a, uh, a sullied past because of stupid rules. Yeah, like it's not like he was. It's know. funny to think that there was a time in the history of college basketball where Tom Green had righteous indignation for Kelvin Sampson. Remember that? Remember that? Yeah, I do. And then all Tom Green proceeded to do was ruin the program himself and then go do Georgia and do nothing. Yeah, but he ruined it the right way. That's right. That's right. On the court mark. That's exactly right. With embarrassing basketball performances. There it is. Well done. That's always near the surface, isn't it? Close by? Yeah, I try to keep all the tabs. Well done Thanks to Pat because he got everything kind of organized here. By the way, when did Pat become like a model? Oh yeah, he's feeling himself. He down is, in Charlotte, man. Right? Our, our our boy went to Charlotte and is like a brand new man. He's he's just living. You remember when literally Urkel was like Stephen Urkel? Remember that? Oh yeah, that's Pat. It's, like it's Pat went Steph- to Charlotte. Stephon. He's like, yes, he's Stephon Steve, Urkel. Steve Urkel and Stephon yes. Urkel. He's yeah. killing it, man. You look on social media. He's living. It's he incredible. is loving life, dude. Like Pat, where's your glasses? Where'd they go? He's just busy posing with a Charlotte skyline. Someone like in the rooftops. I know. He looks. He, he looks happy. He was some high class establishment last I night. I know. Do you think he just finds his way to rooftops? Like he's not there. On he's just like he is. He's not there for events or anything. He's just like no, he's I'm gonna like, go find like, a rooftop. rooftop. Yeah. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna find a rooftop where he's allowed to get on top of the. Well, room. like yeah, like the ACC does that when you go to ACC media days for football in the summer. They have a hospitality thing the second night, and it's on it's on the rooftop of the building next door. But it's like everybody's there. Pal, there really wasn't anybody there. All no. my friends are here. They're just off camera. Yeah, they're just <laughs> all my friends are laughing as well. They're just right off. <laughs> just camera. right off camera. Right. He looks uh, happy though. We missed oh, out. Man, Mark, I got a question for you. Oh, Do you think the bar life. upstairs was faster? Wait, what? Do you remember Pat's last day when we were out at the, uh, the restaurant? He's like, hey, the bar upstairs is faster, guys. Oh, he does yeah. it like twice in like a 10-second span. Yeah, he, he did just tell phased us that. out. Which bar were you at? Uh, uh, O'Shea's over O'Shea's in, and Jeff. Yeah, yeah, that's it. None of them were fast. <laughs> the bar upstairs is faster. We're relatively here, we're speaking, right? The uh, bar upstairs is faster. Uh, Tamer Pat. That's what I'm sure he was faded so. that night. Yeah. I was so sad I missed that night, and I missed... Uh, Creens last night, too. I'm just a bad friend. All right, we're going to come back here. We'll open up the phones, let you guys sound off on this one. Remember, this is a Louisville basketball game day, so we're going to be out 530-ish to turn you over to network coverage. So just like you guys typically do, you can just put it on 93.9 now, tear the knob off, and be here until after Ethan Moore's uh, postgame show, which uh, which should be super entertaining for sure. It's going to be a fun night here at ESPN Louisville because Kentucky's going to get dog walked by Mississippi State tonight, too, and we'll be dueling banjos here between these two (laughs) all right we'll take a quick break here on the drive and i thin the bill bear back